I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture thoughts. Y'all, we got some updates. Finally got my hands on some good Harry Style tickets, but they're in Philly, which I do love Philly, and they're a Friday night. And I got them in Philly so that Elena could meet up with me. And I'm sick over how much we spent on these tickets. But I've literally like camped out to get a good spot at a Harry Styles concert. And you know what? I'm like, I'm a working lady. I will pay that extra money so that I don't have to put that on myself. So I'm excited. I feel like it's going to be the best money I've ever spent. And now I just want to buy like four other concert dates. Alas. Speaking of Harry Styles, getting two shout outs in a row since we talked about his newsboy caps last episode, he hosted and was the musical guest on SNL this past weekend. I have to say, I thought it was a really strong episode of SNL. I sometimes, and you know, my family always tells me I don't have a sense of humor. So sometimes it's just maybe over my head, but sometimes I genuinely don't think it's funny and not even in a, like, I like weird humor, like weird stuff makes me laugh, but it gets to the point where like, I just don't even understand what's going on. And I actually really liked this episode. I could follow the skits. I thought they were the delightful. Harry does really great accents, which I don't think he's explored much in the past. And it's good to know that he can do many a type of accent. He can do an Icelandic. He can do a jock. He can do a weird little pilot. I loved it. Uh, Speaking of that episode, Elena was at the after party for that show. Can you believe she was within four feet of Harry? Like, why she's even agreeing to pay this much money to go see him in concert when she was like an arm's distance of him and could have casually chatted with him. I mean, what a saint. Also, back to our last episode, I actually kept misquoting uh, facts in the Taylor Swift section of my discussion because I was so heated, as I'm sure you could tell. I got super heated about the Survivor stuff and the Taylor Swift stuff. And I kept saying that he bought it for 30 mil when he definitely bought it for 300 million, which still she would technically have enough to buy it. But I still do love that she was shading the Carlisle group, which he had to finance it through. So just wanted to correct myself on that because, man, we love a slip of the tongue on this podcast. I have been in the routine of going to movies for the past three weeks. Kenzie and I have been really killing it with the $5 Tuesdays. And we saw Charlie's Angels this week. And obviously, I love a feminist movie. I thought it was delightful, girly fun. I would recommend. If you're going in there looking for some Albert Einstein shit, are you going to like it? Maybe not. But if you go in just wanting a little fluffy ditty like this, if you like this podcast, you'll like that movie. Okay, there. We said it. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's not groundbreaking, but it's cute. And I liked it. And it was the first time I've ever liked Kristen Stewart. I thought she played a very likable character. Her acting skill was A1. They don't like out and out say she's a lesbian, but she definitely is a lesbian in it, which I guess in real life she's bisexual or lesbian. I can't really remember, but I felt like it was a really a role she felt comfortable in. I also wanted to talk about, oh, I'm sorry. I meant to mention that I also think the soundtrack for Charlie's Angels is Fire, which Ariana Grande did. It's not very long, but I was listening to it on repeat at work today, and it just got me pumped up. And of course, Noah Centineo is in it for approximately two minutes total. Wonder how much he got paid for that being the it boy because he's literally barely in it. But I appreciated it when he was. He plays a totally unrealistic science nerd because I've never seen a science man who's that hot. Uh, please someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I've yet to see one in in the wild 
I was also enjoying my shipment of Las Haras wine. If you're not familiar with the brand Las Haras, it's made by Eric Wareheim and a man named Josh, who maybe is also famous, but I don't know who he is. Uh, Eric Wareheim was in Master of None. He plays um, Aziz Ansari. Oh, Kenzie just told me Arnold. This is why we have her here. Uh, Aziz Ansari is like best friend in the show. And in real life, just like Aziz, he's also like a huge foodie and he has his own wine company. And I just think the wines are delicious. Like I, I would say celebrity wines are notoriously bad to midland these are delicious they're natural wines um that he's on that whole train he you can tell he's someone who's really committed to food and wine and we had the sweet berry wine tonight and i just have to shout it out as being super delicious that's not my official legit shit of this week but if you want to get someone a nice present bring them over a couple bottles of sweet berry wine i think it would literally be the perfect thanksgiving drink perfect christmas drink i'm like already sad that i don't have another bottle left because the three other ones that came in the shipment are obviously different ones but yeah, I just wanted to give them a little shout out. Another update. The Victoria's Secret show is officially no more. And now we've talked about before how they're basically trash and how their efforts of hiring like transgenders like Valentino Sampaio, although great, were like a little bit too late, you know? So I'm not that sad to see the show go and may Fenty Rihanna's lingerie line become the new supreme in the lingerie world. And also happy news, Mercury and Retrograde is officially over for 2019, and thank God. Y'all, this one hurt me hard. And you know, I don't like to complain on this podcast. I like to keep it light and airy. We know, like, life is good. There's not much to complain about. But this Mercury really effed with my life, and it always does it in a very particular way. And I would like to think that I don't know. It's like you want to just think it's a coincidence or that there's maybe you're accidentally manifesting in it and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But can I just quickly go through a list of things that went wrong in this period of Mercury and retrograde? I lost my Maria Tosh earring that I've literally haven't taken out for over two years. Just mysteriously disappeared. No idea where it is. My AC started leaking. My tenant's stair broke and they almost fell through it and died insurance no they didn't die they they didn't actually die they didn't almost die but like that was the thought that went through my head so had to get that fixed uh joys of being a landlord i was given some doozy work projects that i'm still working on i had two crying breakdowns one of which was in public i kept not being able to buy my harry styles tickets and getting the affordable ones that i wanted and i'm usually good at Ticketmaster, guys okay i don't know what happened ASOS didn't send part of my order that was for my sister and for that same sister her personalized Christmas gift was given to me in the completely wrong color and I then had to get another one of those made uh my ubers keep not being able to find my house because my street's under construction and honestly I could keep going on I'm sure Kenzie's probably thinking of some other things like some fit that's really hit the shan that I'm not covering right now but considering that all happened in like the two last weeks you know not great so retrograde to me is always just those little things that I can in my day-to-day I usually feel like I can just sort of manifest away or not stress over but then it hits and I'm just like nope 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 so goodbye retrograde now we're in retrograde which is not even great but we're going with it all right on to our first article of the day and guys I have to admit I am ashamed I am appalled I always do my research and for two of the articles that I'm discussing today, I'm just now realizing I didn't watch the accompanying videos. So I apologize. I will include that in my updates next week. 
but these are just things I wanted to talk about. So here you go. First article, Am I Being Punked or Is Flirty Dancing a Real Show by Katie Heaney. All right, so I'm just going to walk you through what Katie says. We're going to read through a little bit of this. She says, Initially, I just saw two cute boys dancing. Fine so far. Then I understood that the cute boys had learned this routine separately. Then I understood that the cute boys were performing for the first time together. Stage two begins with the realization that this is a first date. A blind first date. And stage three is accepting that this is somehow a real show and is called flirty dancing. And stage four, which Katie Heaney is still working through, is learning that the U.S. version will be hosted by Jenna Dewan, formerly of Jenna Dewan Tatum. I hope she's happy. If she's involved in the choreo, I'm sorry for what I said earlier. So that's her recap of this. And now from reading this article, this is why I really wish I had seen the video. I kind of just took little excerpts of what she said. But if that didn't make sense, what I've discerned about this show, it's called Flirty Dancing. It's a people who separately learn a whole dance routine. They then perform it like while they're looking at each other through kind of like um, a glass it's not even a, it's not, it's just like a divider. Like they're not right next to each other and they perform in sync this dance routine. And this is the first time they're meeting. It reminds me of that show Dating in the Dark, which I was weirdly obsessed with, where they would meet in the dark and they would talk to, so they couldn't see the other person at all. And then they would have to decide based on that interaction if they wanted to move further with them. And it was, you know, really trying to take away that aspect of judging people by how they looked. And this is honestly maybe all the way in the other direction. Like, full on, I can't think of anything I'd rather do less than dance a choreograph routine with someone as my first date with them. Y'all know I can't even go on a regular first date let alone one where I'm having a cha-cha slide. Like, I just cannot. And Jenna Dewan, I mean, is this really what the post-Tatum world is like for you? I wish you my best, but I just, I don't know about flirty dancing, guys. Next up, we have another article by Katie Heaney. I guess we were feeling her vibes this week. And this is called, Wait, How Big Are These Cats? And you guys know I kept swearing I wasn't going to talk about the Cats movie anymore until I actually went and begrudgingly saw it. But then this trailer came out, and like Miss Katie, I'm so confused. But again, I didn't actually watch the trailer. But the article had a lot of photos inserted. They had a lot of photos inserted, which gave me a, um, an idea of size. Like I was able to gauge it by the pictures that they had inserted into the article. And I'm not trying to have nightmares tonight, guys. So... <laughs> Katie Heaney writes that today a new trailer for Cats dropped, derailing my number of work days and personal projects. There's a lot going on here. For instance, cat boobs. And I'll leave most of it for other people to talk about. The most pressing issue to me is what size are these cats? It keeps changing and I'm not sure any of these sizes are right. So this is what I deigned from looking at the pictures. So in some shots, the cats look human size. There's one of them outside and they're standing by a statue and they literally do look human size. And then when they're on the bed, they almost look normal cat size, like if a cat was standing on its hind feet on a, on a bed, if you can imagine that. But then sometimes they look very tiny, like when James Corden's cat is going through a cat door, but he's fully standing up. Not like, because you know how like normally if a cat was going through a cat door, it'd be kind of a tight fit and they'd be on their all four. He's just standing up with it with like some height clearance overhead. 
So was this just a mistake in scale? Is it a metaphor? Is it a ploy to make us watch this abomination? And, you know, I like to look at the comments to get some guidance sometimes. And I appreciated this one from someone who goes by the name Mind Grapes. I've been wondering the same thing. There's a shot where Rebel Wilson's smaller than a mousetrap? Question mark, exclamation mark, question, exclamation mark. Yeah, in what world is, is Rebel Wilson smaller than a mousetrap? I just don't understand. Y'all, we are all in this monstrosity together. I, uh, I'm just disturbed because maybe you guys have heard that the Sonics movie, we talked about this when I was talking about Cats, how there was a ton of backlash because Sonic looked so awful and just not true to his video game form. So good on the company. When they got all this backlash, they went back, they spent $5 million, and they corrected Sonic. And now he is much more palatable and cartoon-like. And for that, I applaud them. So my question is, why isn't this happening for the Cats movie? And why are people not more incensed about it? Like, people were so up in arms about Sonic, but we're okay with this? It's just not right, y'all. It's not right. All right, next article. John Mayer is right about Taylor Swift's Lover by Kelly Connaboy. Y'all, I cannot tell you how pleased I am with this statement from John Mayer because what he says, what I'm about to tell you, is exactly what I said in the Lover review that, thank God, is immortalized on this podcast. And the second part that Kelly discusses is exactly what Elena said. So props to this man and props to this woman. All right, here it goes. So John Mayer was talking about this uh, song, Lover, and he said, love the song. I really like the song. I get a little chuckle because she says, we can keep the Christmas lights up till January. And I go, you're insane. Everyone keeps their Christmas lights up till January. He's right. So this is what Kelly writes. He's right. Swift continues, making an arguably even smaller concession, singing, we could let our friends crash in the living room. This is our place. We make the call. Taylor Swift, I'm begging you, please make more daring decisions about what you do in your apartment. It can be anything you want. And guys, I was just so delighted about this revelation because I felt like no one was talking about this in the media. And I was like, why me on my little diddly podcast? Am I the only one talking about her leaving the Christmas lights up till January. And why is Elena the only person I've heard talking about how weird it is that it's some insane thing that their friends can crash in the living room? And I was really riding my high horse on this until I went and I read the comments. And it made me realize that what people write in the comments is exactly how they would feel if they listened to this podcast. So here we go. I wasted a paywall article limit on this. Well, fortunately for you guys, this podcast is free, so you never have to worry about that. But maybe subscribe. Kind of cute. Anywhere you listen to podcasts. Next up. I know you're not supposed to wish harm to people, but when I read this, I did. I'm just here to say this is some clickbait obnoxiousness and a waste of the internet. So I hope no one listening to this podcast feels that way. Um, and if you don't, please leave a five-star review and a written review, and I will send you a sticker. Just hit me up on Instagram at Bailey Evan and watch my YouTube at Bailey Evan and look at my website at baileyevan.com. Great. All right, next article. Adult man shares some good gossip about middle school friends by Madeline Agler. Now, you might have heard that headline and thought, Bailey, are we really, we're going from the inaneness that is, John Mayer talking about his ex-girlfriend Taylor Swift in a one lyric in one of her songs to an adult man gossiping about his middle school friends. 
But to that I say, this is very timely with Thanksgiving coming up next week, and I find it incredibly juicy. So Madeline writes, Fortunately, there's one powerful force that can unify even the most distant childhood friends gossip about their other childhood friends. Take, for example, Rupert Grint. Perhaps you had fallen out of touch with him since he stopped playing Ron in the Harry Potter movies, but this week, while promoting his new thriller series, The Servant, on Entertainment Tonight, Rupert offered up some good gossip about your other Harry Potter friends, Emma Watson and Tom Felton. According to Grant, the pair, who have been rumored to be dating, definitely had a little bit of a spark back when they were playing Hermione Granger and Draco Malfoy. But we were kids, Grant added. It was like any kind of playground romance. As for his own romances on set, I didn't have any sparks. I was spark-free. So to give you a little background, Emma has openly admitted that she had a crush on Tom Felton back in the day. And both of them have recently said they are self-partnered, which is the term Emma sort of coined first in the media, and then Tom said he's also self-partnered. But I'm here to say, wouldn't it be a get-together for the ages if Draco and Hermione got partnered? Arguably might be better than Seth Cohen and Blair Waldorf. Blair Waldorf. Is that her name? (laughs) Okay. Oh, man, I just think that'd be a goodie. And especially since the boy who played Neville, like, literally met his, I think she's his wife now, at Universal Studios when he was doing press there. Like, a girl can dream. If that can happen, Hermione and Draco can happen. Okay? Next up, my year of carrying a tiny, a teeny tiny bag by Amelia Petrarca. So in this article, Amelia talks about her one-year anniversary of carrying a tiny bag. Now, I have a few tiny designer bags that barely fit a phone. I'm not proud of it. But Giacomo, am I saying that? I always say Giacomo, but is it actually Jacumis? Oh. Well, it says they, uh, they take up another level that are in that they're truly tiny and they look so cute like a little baby Yoda. And Amelia doesn't have the smallest one, which is the Chiquiti, and runs $258. But she has the $510 bag. Uh, and for reference, the Chiquiti is about the size of an AirPod container, while she describes her Chiquito as the size of an orange. And I'm sorry I'm rambling about this, guys, but I just love these tiny bags, impracticality and all. And she acknowledges in this article that her tiny bag does have a fatal flaw. And after one year, she thinks it's time to own it because it doesn't fit her phone. And she's had to carry her phone under her armpit like a clutch, or she might have had to stuff it down her Spanx, which is disgusting, she says. But she clarifies, some combination of liking the way my Giacomo bag looks and enjoying the attention I get when people ask me about it makes me a glutton for punishment, which leads Amelia to her final conclusion. The real problem isn't that her tiny bag is too tiny. The problem is that her phone, the source of so many issues, is too big. And if only she could stop carrying it entirely in 2020. I also enjoyed this article because Amelia wrote a follow-up about Cleveland Cavaliers player Jordan Clarkson wearing a tiny Chanel bag around his neck like a necklace. Are necklace bags the new handbags guy? How do we feel about tiny bags? Personally, I'm so into it. If anyone wants to get me a little chiquiti, I will put my little piece of candy that I steal from the restaurants I go to. I will put a toothpick. I will take all the matchboxes I steal, and it'll go right in that chiquiti. So I like it. I'm into it. I wanted to talk about a little fashion this time around. You know, keep it fresh. Keep it fun. 
<sighs> Last up, we got our legit shit, y'all. And we're going to a TV show this time. And that is Dollface, which is on Hulu. It stars Brenda Song, Shay Mitchell, Kat Dennings, and Esther, blanking on her last name, but she's a stand-up comedian. And I find it delightful, personally. I love the magical realism they throw into it. Something I feel like shows are incorporating more lately, and I really like it. Shout out Gail Garcia. Gabrielle Garcia. Yeah, yeah, I read that in, in high school for sure. And I think it's getting kind of skewered, doll faces, by some media outlets for presenting a very narrow view of womanhood. But to me, that's the comedy of it. And I think the message of it at its heart is such a pure and good one that I really like because I think the underlying message that you see from the very start is to value your female friendships and not let those go to the wayside. And I think if that's the one thing that you take away from this, like that to me is worth it. And I take everything else as definitely a satire. It's it's super tongue-in-cheek the whole time. I think it's funny. And really what I took away from this is Shay Mitchell's performance. I think this part really lets her shine in a way she never could on Pretty Little Liars, where they decided that her lesbianism was going to be her only personality trait. Mm, questionable. And I also thought it was let her open up a little more than she was able to as Peach on this show, You, where she kind of just played a pure mean girl. So I really like the show. If you do have Hulu, definitely think about checking it out. And by suggestion of Anna, if I didn't talk about this in my last podcast, I will have a gift guide coming up on baileyevan.com. I'm hoping to get that posted this weekend about things I recommend to buy for Christmas this year to give, to give for yourself, to give to your family, to give to people you love. And yeah, I think that's it for this week. Bye.